There's a lot of blame and shame around emotions, and it's it, we're really working toward for changing that and just noticing, and then figuring out if it is a little bit uncomfortable for yourself or others around you, what can you do to regulate? And that's what the Zones Pathway and Deeper um, Curriculum is all about. Welcome to the Parenting ADHD Podcast, where I share insights and strategies on raising kids with ADHD straight from the trenches. I'm your host, Penny Williams. I'm a parenting coach, author, ADHD-aholic, and mindset mama, honored to guide you on the journey of raising your atypical kid. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I am super excited to have Elizabeth Sauter back with us again on the show, and we're going to talk about self and social regulation, all within the framework of the zones of regulation, which is a a really powerful tool that we're going to talk about how to sort of implement that with your kids and be able to use it to help them grow their social emotional intelligence and their self-regulation skills as well. Thanks for being here again, Elizabeth. I always love our chats. Will you start just by introducing yourself to everyone listening? Sure. Hi, Penny. Thanks for having me back again with a different hat on this time, talking about Mm -hmm. the zones of regulation as a collaborative zones of regulation trainer and co-author with Leah Kuypers, who's developed that curriculum. So I'm a speech and language pathologist by trade, and um, I've you know, back in grad school many, many, many years ago, I became very interested in autism and behavior. And um, and that's just been my path ever since I've been in the field. Part of speech and language pathology is, you know, pragmatic language and social communication. And that's just what I've dove into over the many, many years I've been in the field. Uh, and that's taken me down the path of uh, opening a private center, started out of the trunk of my car and um, had collaborative uh, trainers working with me. And um, there was an interdisciplinary group of educational therapists, speech pathologists, occupational therapists. And one of them happened to be Leah Kuypers, who um, at the time was moved to California and she had just um, finished up her master's program and had written her capstone on this curriculum that she came up with an idea and framework called the zones of regulation. Um, and she was actually coming out to just talk to me um, and check in about a school that she was thinking about working at that I had worked at. And we had lunch and she humbly showed me the binder of what she had created. And I just glanced at it and I said, can I take this overnight? And she said, sure. And I called my business partner. I said, uh, I think we need to hire an OT. <laughs> this is the, the missing piece of the social groups that we're doing <laughs> um, is the self-regulation piece. And um, the rest is kind of history. She came on board as an OT and did, you know, lots of intervention, both individually and in small groups. And while she was writing the curriculum that was is now published by Social Thinking. And then it's just developed over the years. We've written curriculum together and and now I, I present on her behalf because it's just gone worldwide and there's so many requests for uh, a deeper knowledge of the zones of regulation. So I'm thrilled to be able to share it with your community today. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's something that we were introduced to at occupational therapy with my son. And um, when he did a second course of OT, when he was around 10 or 11, 
they were using the zones with all of their clients. And so every day when they walked in, they looked at the zones poster first before they started their appointment and talked about what zone they were in and how they were feeling and if they needed to do a regulation activity. And so we started incorporating it at home too, to be really consistent. And um, I found it really easy to use as a parent, but I also know that there's so much more depth to it that we weren't really using. Um, We were just pretty much using the poster in the four zones and we were going through different regulation strategies and figuring out what different um, activities and tools were working for him in different zones and putting them on there and, you know, using it that way. But I know we're going to talk about more of a deeper dive into the zones and um, how it can be used for a lot more than that today, too. So I'm excited to do that. Great. Yes. Where do you want to start? What what makes the most sense? You want to kind of introduce the zones in general, and then we'll talk about maybe some deeper stuff. Yeah, I think so. Because I think as you're talking about the check-ins and the poster and whatnot, there might be some people listening who haven't heard of the zones of regulation. And and it is, I think the reason why it's gotten so widespread is because it has this, you know, basic framework that provides a common language to talk about something that is so abstract and complex. So um, mm-hmm. Leah has come up with these four colors, which are the zones, the four zones. And um, there's the blue zone, the green zone, the yellow zone, and the red zone. Um, and they represent the, your levels of alertness or energy, or don't use this with teenagers, but arousal. <laughs> right. um, and so it's what we feel on the inside. And that is something that is just really difficult to teach, practice, to talk about, to learn. And so by having the four colors um, to represent those levels, it makes it much more simple. So the blue zone is the, the lower level of alertness, sad, sad, sick, tired, bored, just kind of that low energy. Mm-hmm. The green zone is more neutral, happy, content, focused. We do associate it with like ready to learn in the classroom, whatnot. Um, but it could be, you know, dinner time as well if we're talking about home mm-hmm. and reading or, you know, whatnot, focus time. Um, and then there's the yellow zone, which is a little bit more heightened level of alertness. Um, so it could be excited, wiggly, anxious, you know, just a little bit more elevated. And, and then there's the red zone, which is the biggest. So that could be fight, flight, freeze, or not common, but faint. Um, it could be, you know, devastated, angry. It could be elated and ecstatic. So if none of the um, zones are good or bad. They're just what we feel. And we all have feelings that are innate. They come and go just like the clouds in the sky. Um, and what we want to do is try to help our children and people in general, not just kids, all people become more aware of how we're feeling on the inside. Uh, so then we can pair that with an emotion and understand, build that emotional intelligence and awareness in ourselves and others, and then also pair that with the zone. 
So this is right. more complex than it's just stated. But for simplicity, too, for the younger population or those that are willing to um, do this, it's paired with the traffic science as well, if you want. If you don't, if you have too cool for a school, older elementary and teens, <laughs> then bag the stop sign or the, all the different signs. But it can be paired with, you know, the rest area, um, good to go, um, caution sign and the stop sign just to have some representation visually um, to be paired with that. So that's probably the poster that you were looking at. So that's the yeah. basics of the zones. No zone is bad or good. We're not punishing for um, being in the red zone or praising for being in the green zone. It's been misused like that in the field. And so we want to make sure that it's it's not being used that way. It's not a behavioral or uh, approach, disciplinary approach. It's not for blame, shame. It's all supportive, universal language. And just really simply put in these four colors to then expand in a lot of different ways that I can explain as well. But that is um, what's made it so easy to teach, practice, and learn is by having this categorized into a systematic visual representation of our internal states of alertness. I love that you brought up that no zone is good or bad. It is just how we feel. You know, our culture really pushes us to have positive emotions and to think that more negative or difficult emotions are bad and they're not, they just are, you know, Mm -hmm. it's how we perceive the world around us and what we do with that. And it's super important, I think, for parents to understand that we're not saying that one zone is good or bad, that one zone may need, we need, mean we need to regulate mm-hmm. or, you know, work on how we communicate our feelings, maybe. Um, but that it's okay to be in the red zone. It's okay to be angry. That's natural. Um, I, I really appreciate that you made sure to bring that up as well, because I think it's so important in these conversations about emotions and feelings. And, and, you know, we don't talk enough with kids about how their body feels, especially in relation to their emotions. And, and it can be really challenging mm-hmm. for kids who are wired differently to kind of build that sense of interoception, which mm-hmm. um, Carol Stock-Kranowitz of The Out of Sync Child was just on the last episode and talked a little bit about that. So we're, we're really dovetailing one with the next here in these conversations, which is awesome, but... Yeah, you know, I think it's really, really important that we sort of stay neutral as a parent with with what our kids are feeling and just helping them with it rather than trying to fix it, right? A different Absolutely. mindset. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's such an important conversation to have and we we talk about this a lot when we're when we do we do webinars um, as trainers um, and we go into this in more depth, but it's so important. And Leah's actually written an article called um, "All Zones Are Okay." Um, so I don't know if you can put that in the show notes. But yeah, it's definitely. Really, yeah, great. Um, really important to be talking about that and just you know we we have a tendency to just you know it's uncomfortable sometimes. Those feelings create pits in our stomachs and knots in our throats and whatever. It just doesn't feel good. And so, you know, we're constantly like, you know, get back to the green zone or, you know, trying to calm down, don't be this or that or whatever. And there's a lot of blame and shame around emotions. And mm-hmm. it's, it, we're really working toward, toward changing that and just noticing and then figuring out if it is a little bit uncomfortable for yourself or others around you, 
what can you do to regulate? And that's what the zones pathway and deeper um, curriculum is all about. And and that's what Leah's life work has been, is to go deep in being able to provide simple lessons and resources to help parents and educators support students in this way. Yeah, so let's go deeper. Let's talk about, I guess, what's next, what you do when you, so you work with your child, you're using the zones, and you've identified that they're in a particular zone. What happens then? What do you do to help them to build that awareness and also communicate it in an appropriate way and learn how to regulate. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, you know, there's the interoceptive piece and understanding how you feel is is just a huge part of that. And so basically, for those who haven't listened to your other podcast, um, interoception is understanding how or it's how our body tells us how we're feeling. So it's like on the inside. So um, it's part of sensory processing. And I'm not an occupational therapist. So those of you who are out there, forgive me or um, (laughs) definitely check in with an OT about this. And Leah is an OT by trade and an autism specialist. So I've learned a lot about this from her and also the work of Kelly Mahler, who has a whole curriculum on this as well. But anyway, it's like how, you know, understanding how we're feeling like if, you know, we have to go to the bathroom or if we, if we're feeling hot or cold or tired, all of those kind of hungry, all of that. And so, you know, that also has to do with our emotions. And so there in the curriculum of the zones of regulation, there is a little bit of uh, work on um, being able to understand how you're feeling internally. We make actually a little booklet so the kids can know what the different zones feel like. Um, and then they can have more awareness of this. But the first step on the pathway of the zones of regulation pathway is noticing. Um, and that's where you figure out how you're feeling, what the situation is, um, you know, what's going on around you, the people and the setting and the context. And then there's triggers in those situations where, you know, the, the bell rings and it's time to line up or um, you get a text and you're, you know, boyfriend dumps you or, you know, like whatever it might be, or it's the smell of the, you know, the cafeteria food coming in or the dog barking, whatever it might be. It's, it's, it's something that happens. And then, you know, your feelings uh, manifest around that and, and noticing what that feels like is a huge piece of that, the sensation so that then you can label, Oh, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. And I, you know, right now, if the dog were to bark for me at home, I would feel a little bit in the yellow zone because I know we're recording and I've told the family to (laughs) keep it quiet. So that would be a, you know, for me, it's okay. Take a deep breath. Everybody understands the self-talk, all the tools that I would use for that situation. So noticing what's going on based on your internal state and what's happening around you. And then we move to identifying the zone, which is the second step. What zone am I in? So the zone relates to your feelings on the inside and then emotions that you might be feeling that you can label and then the zone. Um, And then the third step is deciding if and which tool you might need. So, you know, if you're feeling comfortable or if you're feeling a little yellow zone and you're out at recess and you're playing kickball and you don't need a tool, you just go with it, right? That's what's needed and that's fine. Um, uh, if you start getting into the red zone and freaking out because you're in line and you're not going to get your turn to kick and, you know, the ball because the bell's about to ring, like you might need a, a tool to regulate. Um, but sometimes you don't. And it's just a matter of figuring out if you do based on the situation and people around you and how you're feeling internally in that situation. Um, and then 
picking which tool would be helpful and also expected for the social situation. Then step four is to use the tool. That's the regulate, the action, or potentially carry on. And then the last step is to reflect on how it went. How are you doing? Do you need to use the tool again? Did that tool not work? Do you need another tool or I'm good to go? Yeah. So kind of this continuous process of checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. And rinse and repeat. And then, you know, there's in the, this is the pathway, but then in the curriculum that Leah's developed and with all the tools that we've put to support um, people using the zones with the cards and the storybooks, posters and apps and whatnot and game, there's a, there's lessons and a curriculum that supports these, the four colors and the pathway. Yeah. I love this whole self-check-in idea for kids, especially with ADHD, because they're so impulsive and it's so hard to stop and to consider anything and check in with yourself. And we really need to do that with our kids, really build that skill from a much younger age, which I didn't know to do when my kid was little. You know, a lot of information that we have now readily available wasn't necessarily available or wasn't linked in a way that I would have known as a parent. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't have known to pick up a book on social emotional learning yet. Right. I just wasn't there. I didn't have that information. And so to kind of pull all this into one system for parents is so powerful. And I I hope that it's never too late, right? It's never too late to start using this with a teen or a young adult. But I really hope that parents of young kids start on this kind of um, skill building and awareness with their kids because it will affect so much as far as behavior is concerned. And then really their success out in the world and in school and you know, it just is going to sort of have this domino effect. The more that kids are aware and able to regulate, the better they're going to do, right? <laughs> just, just in general. Yeah. Yeah. And the evidence is really showing this as well. And it's becoming more um, mainstream uh, for social emotional learning, not just for differently wired children or diverse um, children, but for all children. And the pandemic yeah. has really brought that out as a silver lining of the pandemic. And so, there, you know, everybody is talking about SEL, social emotional learning, and how we could, what can we do to help our kids, you know, be able to um, be social again, reduce their anxiety, because it's all about the uncertainty, you know, this has just been so awful. Um, so it's really brought the well being of children to the forefront. And, you know, there's been research on it over the years of um, what we've been trying to say, because everybody always pushes academics and whatnot. And that's mm-hmm. been the focus. And, so we, you know, there's a lot of research on that social emotional learning actually is the foundation of achievement and academics as well. And so there's, you know, research that shows that 11% point in and gains for standardized achievement and test scores and whatnot. So that's been kind of the focus over the years is to, you know, talk to educators about how this really does help and you do have time for this. And if you, because if you, if you, lay the foundation of social emotional learning, then the academics will flourish, you know, because a lot of teachers and they're just busy. There's just so much to do. And they say, I don't have time for that. But we say like, you know, if you do this, you'll have more time for that. And you'll have your attention and focus children and being able to work in small groups and um, regulate themselves to be able to get all the things that you want to teach them. So we've been talking about that a lot. Yeah, that kind of that really reminds me of when we feel good, we do good. 
So when kids feel comfortable in the classroom, when they feel connected with their peers or their teacher, when they feel capable and competent, then they do well academically, right? When we, it's, it's just such a basic, I think, of human nature. When we feel good, we do good. And that reminded me of that. Yeah, no, I 100%. And I think that, you know, feel good, do good, you know, so much of it is part of the relationship with the um, the teachers and with the parents, right? It's like the foundation, yep. the rapport building and, and thinking about, you know, having the viewpoint of, you know, of a compassionate, supportive, connected relationship with children. And that starts with us as adults and educators. And there, there is research also that shows that there's less, you know, when you teach this SEL skills, there's less burnout and greater job satisfaction for the teachers. And I've found that too, as an educator and as a parent. And I, I found that and I've learned so much and gained greater emotional awareness and intelligence by learning about the zones and teaching yeah. the zones. And so there's benefit on both sides. You know, you really can't pour from an empty cup is what we say, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, being able to learn about this and learn about your own tools and your own triggers and problem solve and learn on the pathway along with the children that you love so much and support can help us as adults and educators too. So it's definitely a win-win and whatever curriculum you're using or tools and strategies is great. I'm just, um, it's nice to have something to lean on that's simple and easy to teach and talk about. Yeah. Does it make sense now to talk about some regulation activities or strategies? I, I know they're different for every kid and every adult. We all have different things that help us to regulate, but um, maybe just giving some general ideas would be helpful for parents to know um, kind of what we're talking about when we say, okay, if, if you need to regulate from one's own, mm-hmm. what do you do? Absolutely. So these are things that you're probably already doing, parents, as um, you know your kids so well, and you're the experts here. But just, you know, the things that help them with um, feeling more comfortable and achieving their goals in various situations. Uh, and so there's different ways to look at it. So you can look at it like bottom up approach, like in terms of sensory, that would be more of like the bottom up approach um, where you're doing things like um, getting the sensory feel good tools that you need, maybe like a wall push up or using a fidget or using headphones to block out noise if your child gets overwhelmed with a lot of stimulation. Those are all like the the sensory-based tools that you might use that um, might be helpful. Um, And then there's also top-down approaches, like cognitive-based approaches, like thinking tools, like self-talk. In the curriculum, there's a some cognitive-based tools that we teach about self-talk, and it's called inner coach versus inner critic. Um, you know, mm, trying to build up your that. inner coach, yeah, to boost you up saying it's going to be okay, you got this, done this before, I can have a turn next, all those, that, but, and then also being aware of your inner critic, because a lot of our kiddos, including mine at home, um, have a really strong inner critic in terms yeah. of, um, you know, uh, I, you know, I suck at this, I'm never going to get a turn, you know, like, all the different things that they say, and we say to ourselves, so just being more aware of that are some of the top down approaches that we can work on. And then there's, you know, we all need breathing tools. (laughs) Um, So, you know, there's all kinds of breathing tools that we suggest within the curriculum and teach in the webinars that we provide. Um, A lot of people probably know about the square breathing or box breathing. Breathe in, hold, breathe out. Well, Leah's changed that. One of our students that 
she, when she was developing the curriculum. So I, thought, I think it should be the six sides of breathing, <laughs> and following the lead and the interests of our students, which we know is uh, the way to go for building um, buy-in. Because we always talk about doing a try-in, but we, they have to you know build that rapport and follow their interests to get that buy that true buy-in. Um, yeah. turned it into a hexagon. And so it's the six sides of breathing within the zones of regulation. Breathe in, hold, breathe out, hold, following the the shape around by six sides. Right, yeah. And I read somewhere that box breathing, there was a study that showed that that particular pattern of breathing with the holds in it mm-hmm. really impacts our autonomic nervous system and calming it. I found that really interesting when we, we deal with anxiety in our house quite a bit. And mm-hmm. as soon as I saw that, I said, okay, this is the breathing you need to do. <laughs> like, let's try this one and see. And I've also found too, changing it up helps because if you get in the same pattern, then you're not very mindful anymore. You're just kind of going through the motions of it. So, mm-hmm. you know, trying different breathing techniques can really yep. help too. I love take five breathing for any IEP meeting or any just even meeting that you're having with your kiddo. It's like, you know, you take your fingers and just raise them up. You have them in a fist and then you raise them up one, two, three, four, five, breathing in and then breathing out one, two, three, four, five with them coming back into a fist. It's also visual. So I love that too. Yeah. But I, another hack for, um, you know, the, I like the box breathing or the six sides because you can do it anywhere, you know, just on your pant leg or your um, desk or wherever. But another fun fact that I teach also is that, the, you know, we always heard that in breathing, the exhale should be longer. Well, the mm. reason why that is, is because it's actually kind of a hack. Because when you're in um, a state of fight, flight, or freeze, or overwhelm, your exhale is shorter. And so when you um, intentionally breathe in, like for three, and breathe out for five, it's like your your nervous system is saying, I'm calm, I'm fine, I'm not in a state of overwhelm or fight, flight, or freeze. And so that's the way to just say like, okay, I'm fine. So if you try it with me now, breathe in for three and breathe out for five. Your nervous system is now saying, I'm fine, everything's okay. Yeah, and so then, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about tools and what we how we teach them is there's tools for different zones. So for instance, there's um, blue zone tools that help you when um, you might be feeling in that lower state of arousal. So those tools help you increase alertness. So maybe you're falling asleep during a, you know, a school assignment or you're tired, you don't want to do your homework. But what what is what's a blue zone tool like drinking water or, you know, doing some jumping jacks or a chair push up, whatever that might bring alertness and energy to you for that situation. Um, and then there's green zone tools, which people say, like, why do you need green zone tools? You know, you're fine, you're good to go, you're focused. But green zone tools are the proactive tools that we can be using all the time to make ourselves feel comfortable and alert and ready to go. So those are the things like getting enough sleep, um, drinking water, getting you know the right foods, exercise, connection, all of those things um, to just f- feel in general more able to regulate and be social. Um, so that's extremely important. And I talk about those, the foundational tools, because if, you know, if your kid is hungry, forget all the rest of it, you know, it doesn't even matter. Just get them a cheese stick and right. like, drink a water, whatever it might be. If they haven't had enough sleep, it might not be the right day for that, you know, challenging lesson, whatever. Um, and then there's yellow zone tools that um, you're more aware. So you're in that caution state and maybe just check out what's going on. But um, 
You can use a yellow zone tool, whatever that might be for you. You test them out. You try them out within the zones curriculum. There's a whole worksheet and you can do a tool of the week to see how it's going to take that data. Talk about being little scientists to have hypothesis. I think this will work for me. And then you try it out. You're like, yep. actually, I really don't like yoga or whatever it might be. Or, right. Actually, you know what? That chair push-up really does it for me. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a whole bunch of tools, but a, a few tools for each of these situations that might be challenging is what we're looking for here. And then there's, um, we want to talk a little bit about red zone because red zone is not a time for teaching. A met- meltdown is never a teachable moment. Exactly. Um, yeah, but it's a time to get safe um, and calm. And then potentially you can talk about it later. Uh, we can also be proactive with red zone moments. So this is when you can practice by doing you know, video modeling or doing a social story. If you know something that's challenging for a student to prepare them for how to get into that safe place and how to calm down and, and proactively, you know, how to maybe use a yellow zone tool so that you, if it's a overwhelming negative red zone, then, um, you, you know, what happens is looking at that proactively, like, oh, if we could just catch it before it gets to that big state, what the day would look like or what the situation would look like and how it would be different. So that's part, it's all part of the deeper knowledge and lessons of the zones that I really want to emphasize because, you know, there's data collection techniques and lessons and, uh, in the, within the zones that you can see where your children are, are struggling and where they might need a little extra support and so many different tools more so than just, you know, the four colors that people are downloading from the internet and thinking that they're doing the zones of regulation. So there's 18 lessons and so much more. And if you want to learn more about that, we have um, half and full day trainings that you can come to, but just want to emphasize that it's more than just the four colors. There's a pathway and lessons, and it's a full curriculum to be able to make this easier to teach and learn and practice. Yeah. Let's talk about teens for a minute. Yeah, the zones is very younger kid friendly, and I I think that you guys have come out with a new product mm-hmm. to help to use it with teens. Yep, for sure. And I I know you're passionate about the teenage uh, teenagers as well as I am. I have a 14 and 17 year old here, both neurodiverse um, boys in my household with IEPs. And I work with a lot of teens and young adults. And, you know, this is this work is not just for, I mean, we definitely want to do early intervention and start young, like you mentioned. Uh, and there's a lot out there for that. But I, the teens need it really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, even typically developing teens, we all need this. And so we, as we, you know, we're making these new resources. There's um, two children's books that have just come out and to card decks. And we decided to make a card deck that's specifically for teenagers. And so it has images. So the card decks are basically tools that you can try. We just wanted to make them visual and easy for educators and parents to just pull out and try, you know, um, here and there for the week or however you want to do it just to give them, what is this, you know, and so they can pull them out and they're categorized into five different categories. They're um, feel it, um, think it, do it, move it, and connect. So they're divided into those kind of categories for regulation strategies and tools. Um, And then the teen deck has these great illustrations that we hired um, an amazing illustrator to help with. And 
Uh, and then on the back, there's an explanation and kind of more of why to try these tools, which teenagers say, well, I don't want to do this. Why should I do that? So we have the rationale on these um, and then a check-in as well on how did, it, how did it make you feel so they can have that. Um, actually, I really do like that cognitive-based tool, or I do really like that pressure points. I'm looking at some of the tools right now. or So they're mixed in with all the different kinds of things that you could do within the zones with great images for teenagers, rationales, and a check-in. That's awesome. Yeah, it's much harder to find these kind of tools for teens. Mm -hmm. You know, we think about teaching these skills and working on this stuff for younger kids, and then, you know, the teens don't connect with it if it's made for a a seven-year-old, right? And then they're not going to engage. And if they don't engage, if we don't have their buy-in, then we might as well not bother, right? everything's about buy-in for with with your teens and so i love that now there's a tool specific to them that they can really connect with and feel good about using at their age and really the zones and the work of regulation is applicable to all of us at any age we all need these skills and i think most of us could continue to build those skills we could benefit from that right and Mm -hmm. that awareness even we get so busy and so kind of on the wheel of life and we lose awareness as adults I think and it's so so important and so powerful to keep working on that awareness and keep using it to our benefit all throughout our life till the day we're gone I 100% exclamation point there agree and yeah, and the, like I mentioned before too, with the, you know, some people think that the zones is for the younger population because it maybe has the traffic signs with it. But I, you know, when I'm working with my teens and young adults, they are fine to have the four colors and, you know, mm-hmm. there's the um, images that are geared towards, you know, all ages and they just get rid of the signs, you know, the traffic signs. You don't, you, they're fun to use if you want, but you don't need them. And then, you can simplify it to just relate to their life. And, you know, I'm working with a a young man right now who's been working on regulation. He's OCD and been really challenged with his regulation. And he was like, light bulb went off when he saw, wow, I've never really thought about it or visual been able to visualize it like this with, you know, the four colors and it going up in terms of my levels of regulation. This really just helps me. And We actually uh, introduced the zones of regulation game with him, which is called Navigating the Zones. And then there's an advanced pack if you want to play with the group um, that is also great for teenagers. So on the website of Social Thinking, where all the products and resources are sold, there's a teen bundle. So um, we put together that for working with teens specifically. Yeah, and we'll link everything up in the show notes for everybody listening to go to that and anything else that we've talked about. We've we've mentioned several resources and products and um, other concepts to learn more about, like interoception. So all of that will be linked up in the show notes as well. And everyone listening can find that at parentingadhdandautism.com slash 131 for episode 131. Uh, and we're out of time. We could talk about this forever, right? But we're out of time. So I just want to thank you again for for coming back on the show a second time and really sharing your wisdom. And it's so fun to listen to you talk about these things because you're so engaged with it and so passionate about it and so passionate about the work you do. And it's really infectious. 
Oh, thank you, Penny. I am. And, and people say that, and I just, I feel it. I got tingles when you said that. It's just, I feel like it, it is the number one most important thing for us to be talking about teaching and practicing. So thank you so much for this platform and um, sharing it with your audience. And, you know, I'm speaking on behalf of Leah Kuypers, who's developed the zones of regulation. You know, I've been mm-hmm. fortunate enough to work with her. Um, in developing some of these products um, to support her curriculum, the zones, and then also um, social thinking and Michelle Garcia winner, who is um, the publisher of all of this. So thank you all for making this accessible. And um, I'm honored to be here. Love it. Love to share all the tools. That is my one of my number one goals in the work I do, because for us starting out 12 years ago, (laughs) <laughs> it was a nightmare to try to find a tool, you know, it just, it just wasn't accessible. So that's, that's a big deal for me to be able to share as much as we can so that parents can find what works for their kids and, and really feel confident that they can help, right? That they yeah. can really have an impact and make life um, with challenges navigable. So yeah. good stuff, good stuff. We'll link it all up and I will see everyone on the next episode. Thanks for joining me on the Parenting ADHD podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share. And don't forget to check out my online courses, parent coaching, and mama retreats at parentingadhdandautism.com.